Welcome, Here welcome, we welcome to episode 26 of All the Horrible Things. Um, we, 26, yeah. All the Horrible Things was supposed to be a, uh, a Predator cast, but we're putting it off a week. We're going to combine it with next week's Prey cast because it's getting rave reviews and we really want to focus on that and call back to the old ones. I don't think anybody was, was dying to hear us talk about these old Predator movies. As much as we might have hoped, Chris. <laughs> what do you think? Maybe not. I mean, I I hadn't seen Predator Two, for example, for a very long time, and uh, I thought I remembered liking it a lot. And then you watch it, and you're like, "This is so weird." It is very weird. Yeah. It's more like an action movie than yes. like a sci-fi movie than anything. It's, it's yeah, yeah. It's a beast onto itself. You gotta love me some Danny Glover. But one thing when I was watching Predator Two that I did notice and I didn't realize, I always thought that Bill Paxton was the only overlay from the Alien series to the Predator series. Right. But am I crazy? But wasn't Adam Baldwin in both as well? Is not Adam Baldwin in Alien Resurrection? I think you're right. And he's in this one, too. He's kind of like a second fiddle to Gary Busey. So I think you got two actors, both Paxton and yeah. Adam Baldwin, that's, that pops up in uh, both series. So I got to give it to Adam Baldwin. At the time, I hadn't known him. Of course, people know him mostly from Firefly, I would say, or right. Chuck. Right. But uh, it was kind of cool to see him in such an old old role. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm a fan of his. Of him. Yeah. He's fun. He's yeah. definitely fun. And in, in, in a... Alien Resurrection. He's one of the better characters, if I remember. I really, I really like this character. Anyways, let's uh, let's start diving into what we're going to dive in. So, putting that off a week, Predators and Prey, we're going to uh, talk about a show that's on Stars that I think fell under a lot of people's radar. Right. And I, I we I want to suggest it to people because I got through all eight episodes. I think this week there are eight. Yeah, Shining Veil, starring our. Uh, Favorite friend? Is she your favorite friend? Um, Courtney Cox? Monica Geller? Yeah. Who's, yeah, who's she, your favorite friend? She certainly is up there. Um, yeah, I, I think it's. A, I think that's a tough one. I think it's like a combo between... Uh, I, I'm a big Ross fan myself. Ross is pretty great. He yeah. loves his dinosaurs, so I definitely appreciate that. <laughs> but, uh, but also, Gail from Scream. Gail from Scream. So she's no stranger to the horror, and I think that shows in this because she, I think she does a good job of it. I, I can sometimes like feel like she's a little much for me, Courtney Cox. Uh, yeah. But in this one, I felt like it was appropriate because her character was supposed to be a little grating. At yes. Time. She's, I, I mean, this is a, a really, I don't want to say complex, but definitely a very tough character to like. Right. You know, I right. mean, your main character is, extremely flawed um right out of yes. the get-go absolutely i mean the it's we're right off of the heels of her having cheated on her husband right and they're having to move away because of the trauma that's affiliated with that their family they got a son and a daughter uh, they're moving from the city to a more rural, rural area mm-hmm. suburban suburban zone and they're in this big ginormous house with stained glass and it's very <laughs> haunted house-esque vibe yeah. right from the get-go um, but interestingly, you're right. I think she's hard to like, but the comparison we're going to have to make throughout the entirety of this cast is The Shining. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, she is Jack Nicholson's character. Torrance, Jack From Torrance. The Shining yeah. in this, um, I guess you could say, modern adaptation, this kind yeah. of female-driven, female issues horror. I, I would definitely say it's not necessarily a, um, a spinoff, but maybe just like a... a, a 
yeah, like a, a re reexamining. It, it's updated. Uh, our main character is also a writer, and um, I would say they both deal with uh, alcoholism and mental health. Right. She's more of the pill popper, but she definitely did deal with alcoholism in the past. Right. It does rear its head in this as well. But it does seem like her, like unlike him, which was completely booze, she's on, what is it, clonzepam? I don't know all these crazy anxiety I don't either, but I mean, I think more than that, the the messaging there was that uh, people don't necessarily take uh, women seriously and mm. the mm. the doctor here is prescribing uh our our uh pat our character pat courtney cox with just like you know layering on the drug drugs after drug. yes yeah, yeah. yes she, he's considering her like a hysterical woman which right we'll get to later right um and pretty much for the most part it seems like siding with greg Kinnear. granted she is the one that cheated uh on him but at the same time uh the bias is very overt in, in their psychiatry sessions. So, uh, yeah, I think we're dealing with feminist issues throughout this to the max, which, which I appreciate. It's like you take that shining premise and glaze on this feminist layer because uh, the ghost in this is not like the ghost in The Shining. No. What are we dealing with here? And explain to me whether or not this ghost is nefarious because it's unclear. Certainly at the beginning, I think it becomes more clear. Where do you stand on Mara Sorvino's 1950s uh, housewife ghostly demon figure? <laughs> well, I, I certainly I, I mean, I'm a fan. I, I, I think um, at the start of the series, we, we think we're dealing, you know, with like a maybe like a haunted house scenario by a ghost. But I, I think what we're really dealing with here is a demon. And yes. uh, I mean, you could argue the biggest difference here between this and the shining is that the shining is, is maybe the actual entire overlook hotel is our, um, ghost, our ghost. Yes. But right. in, in this story, I think we're dealing with more of a, a demon that just preys on women here. Yes. Which for me at first, I was like, okay, Mira Servino is going to be empowering to, Courtney Cox. She's going to be like, oh, this is what happened to me. This is the sort of subjugation I dealt with, misogynist culture that I, I was dealing with back in the 1950s. Let me help empower you by helping you write your book and to kind of take have agency, to take control of your own life in a way that you seem to be struggling with. But that quickly starts to veer away. At what point do you did you start to realize that Mara Sorvino was not really working for Courtney Cox, but taking coming inside her to take advantage <laughs> of her. Yeah. I have to uh, rack my brain around there because I, I think there are a couple moments where um, Pat is very resistant and um, is it the moment when they're up in the attic and Valerie's there as well? And, and Pat is really kind of um, negotiating or is it a moment before that? I feel like the first time we really get a sense of that, you know what, maybe she's, she's not helping Courtney Cox is when she sabotages the husband's the presentation, um, presentation, yes. the PowerPoint presentation, yes. putting these, these, uh, I don't know, kind of 
sketchy, shady little comments on the actual title screens. Yeah. Weren't that like nefarious or scary. It was just like a prank. Clearly. Yeah. <laughs> it was more like a prank at first. Yeah. But it certainly was enough to get him suspended. And the woman that I think probably, uh, Mira Servino's character. What is what is our ghost's name? I'm losing track of her character's name. Um, the demon. Uh, I think she was doing it ultimately to help Pat because Pat was a little concerned about the relationship between her husband Terry and this woman that he works with, Catherine. Right. Uh, it was a fun actress too. She was just uh, like the FBI agent in Ms. Marvel. Yes, yes, you know, a lot yes. Of people yes. would recognize her also from uh, Orange Is the New Black. What I like about her is she really does change her look and her her feel. I feel like she does a good job of creating yes. distinct characters that I that agree. Actress, so. uh, Rosemary is the um, Rosemary. Thank Mira you. Sorvino's character. Yeah, you you really have to wonder at that moment of the um, the presentation. I think that they they did a good job of of kind of like putting putting into question of what. Rosemary was really after because you could argue is she still helping Pat because we think um, Greg Kinnear and Terry and and Catherine. Yeah. Is there something cooking there or, or was it, was it more revenge because this up to this point uh, Terry Greg Kinnear is still not um, believing um, Pat that he keeps right. saying it's a deer it's probably a deer which had a really great payoff when you actually see the deer uh, right. yeah but he is sort of um, I don't know in, in denial or you know like I, I think their, their marriage is still working through a lot honestly so it is and he's a bit of a pushover and willing to take a lot i feel like uh i think there is a role reversal in especially in the 1950s you have kind of a more passive husband to the more aggressive uh wife in this um but i want to get back to you like the deer moment there is a weird tone throughout this whole show because even when you have rosemary sabotaging that powerpoint presentation he's giving this powerpoint presentation to a bunch of priests, yeah. right? He's trying to sell uh, <laughs> yeah. the archdiocese on their securities. Um, I guess he's a securities insurance agent. Um, and I, I don't, it just, it, at times it felt like it was going for for the jugular with horror and other times it almost felt like over the top silly. I, I yeah. didn't feel like it, it was hard to pin down the tone of this show. Had you looked at these creators? Because I know one of them created Divorce, I don't know if you've seen Divorce um, with Thomas Hayden Church. Oh, I'm familiar um, with it. An HBO series, I believe. Yeah. Yes. What's her name from uh, Sex in the City? Um, Matthew Broderick's wife. Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah Jessica Parker, um, which also kind of has an interesting tone. It's really serious and about these the the couple that's kind of like splitting up. Um, But there's also humor in it. I saw a lot of actually similarities between what's going on between Terry and Pat and what was going on between the couple in divorce. I saw some overlay in there, but I actually did really like divorce. Uh, so I was happy to see that this guy was, was one of the ones that created the show. Um, because as we noted, I don't think anybody's heard of this. Who has stars, Chris? Who has stars? How is stars still a thing? <laughs> I think stars is more of a seasonal app for people. And I think it's, you know, you don't, you maybe not, subscribe to stars year round, but you might be a big fan of outlander. Um, okay. or like I, I had it for, um, 
Ash versus the Evil Dead. I really enjoyed another right. show they did called Spartacus. It was very fun. And, okay. you know, they 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 make some really great original television. It's not an app if you're looking to watch movies necessarily. But uh, um, they're, they're bringing back Party Down, which is another they're reason. they're bringing back Party Down. Yeah. That's very exciting. It's a big Ooh. reason. I mean, not to digress too much on that point, but almost everybody's coming back, maybe except for Lizzie Kaplan, right? That's what I heard. Yeah, correct. So that's exciting. But, but the, you know what? It is, Stars does create really unique stuff. I think you yes. really kind of put put a good point to that in that it, it's not churning out your average fare. I mean, it's it's really kind of like a, a genre blender of a outlet yeah and not only that they they don't skip on production value either outlander's really well done um they had a show years ago called black sales that was really well produced they filmed it in south africa they had real uh you know pirate ships it looked fantastic and Hmm. yeah i think they put their money in the right projects that's that's why I was a little worried about this show. I know I've seen some people online um, with some some negative reviews, but I I think this the show is really going to grow um, throughout seasons, and I think it needs that chance. I think you're right. Um, as I mentioned to you earlier, I struggled a little bit with the first two episodes because I really wasn't clear on what it was trying to do, right. and then I wrapped my head around this idea that. This is Santa Clarita diet, but instead of zombies, we're dealing with possession. We're dealing yes. with a ghost. Yes. And we have very similar topics and themes going on, as you see in Santa Clarita diet, which I absolutely adored. You Same. have kind of the, the bumbling husband who's trying to be supportive of his wife, who's now being possessed mm-hmm. or becoming a zombie, right? There's yeah. a lot of similar threads in both of these shows. So I would suggest for those of you like myself who is devastated when Santa Clarita Diet was canceled, this might be your stopgap. This might actually kind of fulfill that role for you if you can see it as a kind of a similar operation. If you can get past the first couple Expo episodes, get past not liking Courtney Cox at first because, you know, she's made some not so great mistakes and maybe even get past i would say some of the subplots too let's talk about some of the other characters really quick here because we've mentioned terry her husband played by greg canary it's a great character greg is usually greg fantastic yes right uh which is fine some actors i'm totally okay with them continuing to be themselves and he is greg canary is is one of them agree not unlike Timothy Oliphant when he's doing comedy when he does drama he changes a little bit when he's doing comedy it's always Timothy. that's a good point Greg, Greg does a good job here. But then we got their two kids. And I'm going to say I really love the son. I think the son is a really fun character. Uh, this kid, he's a little over. He's kind, he's overweight. He's kind of like not yeah, he's really a, socially apt. And correct. He's big into VR or augmented reality. Always has his helmet on, which I thought was a really fun thing. I'm not sure we've seen it before. But with these augmented reality helmets, which are kind of new, VRs have been out for a while, but like actually worthwhile augmented reality where you're looking at what's in front of you and then there's additional layers put on top of that. Correct. For him to see the ghosts via augmented reality, specifically of this little girl, Daisy, who turned out to be one of the victims of Rosemary. To to give you a sense of who Rosemary was really quick, tell them what, what she ultimately did, what we find out about old Rosemary. 
Well, old old rosemary, um, what you what you think is the quintessential 1950s housewife is is a mad woman. Um, <laughs> she, she is like she is. This is the funny thing that you know Courtney Cox is the writer side of Jack Torrance. She is the full blown Jack Torrance possessed murderer. Right. Yeah. Because you know, she does write too. She ultimately embodies Courtney Cox's body, and she becomes a writer too. So you're not yeah. wrong in suggesting she is that full embodiment of uh, "all work, no play makes Jack a dull boy" <laughs> uh, sort of writer. Which we do get very similar um, a moment in terms of Grant. She's not using a typewriter, but on her screen, we'll see a lot of repetitions, like "go down to the basement, yep. go down to the basement, go down to the basement," repeated over and over again. Yeah, that's great. Which is clearly an homage to that. But yeah, she's uh, she went full hog on her family right yes i mean i i think some i forget which episode maybe like six or seven we we actually see um daisy uh her skull we see some gravestones and we basically learn that rosemary uh most likely possessed by a demon right yes i would like to believe that uh is the demon herself now uh yeah, was was a bored housewife. She was uh, bored Jack Torrance and and uh, bored Jack Torrance, and she did have an affair herself. Yes, um, the grocery was, store. It's a fun scene. Some flashbacks in this back in the nineteen fifties yeah. when she goes to the to the grocer and she's trying yeah. to sneak herself a little hooch, and then <laughs> this grocer who she's you know got the hots for later has an affair with. Anyways, when she's trying to buy the hooch, this grocer looks back to the manager who's like shakes his head and he's like, "I'm sorry, ma'am, your husband <laughs> came in and said we can't sell you alcohol." It was it was just it was Very, it was a funny little throwaway yeah. moment. Um, and then of course you do see her having the affair with this grocer down the line. She kills him. Uh, and she kills her whole family. The only one we didn't really get a sense of how she killed was the son, right? Yeah. Or were they all killed with shovel? Were they all shoveled? I don't know. I'd like to believe that there's a little bit more creativity there uh, with the deaths. Okay. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if we know but that. that wasn't explicit. We didn't exactly right. see how she did it. I just assumed when we had this surreal scene with Courtney Cox, then killing the dog, yeah. killing the son, killing the daughter, killing Greg Kinnear. Um, obviously not in reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was maybe Visions, kind of pointing to yeah. out Rosemary. But let's get back to this point about Rosemary not actually being Rosemary. And when she killed everyone, she was this demon. Because this is another shining reference here. We don't get this until the end of the show. But if anyone's, if you've seen The Shining, you know one of the most iconic parts is the end when we pull up to the picture and you see Jack Nicholson's face, but the picture's a hundred years old or whatever, way older. Well, we get a similar situation where um, you got Pat, who now has been, who's just cracked up, fully demonized. She's she's coming in with an ax like she's Jack Torrance, almost kills her husband. They have an, a very similar uh, instance where they're going up the stairs too. She's right, like with the bat, yeah. She's pushing or him the- back up the stairs um, with her menacing nature. But then... You know, we get this weird backstory mid-season about how Courtney Cox had committed her mother, um, who's played by Angela from Who's the Boss. It was good to Ju- see her again. Judith Light. <laughs> Judith Light. Judith Light. Yes, it was fun to see her because she's actually, she's a pretty fun character. In it. Yes. Um, but she had committed her mom when her mom kind of went off the rails with uh, psychiatric issues. But or did she? Same thi- or did she? That's That's interesting. 
Um, it's suggested as such. Of course, she keeps saying that my daughter put me away. Right. Um, but then we do have that circular scenario where now Courtney Cox's Pat's daughter signs away her Gainer. to the home at right. the end too. Her name is Gainer, the daughter? Gainer, the the daughter who's okay. in love with the the, the, um, the virgin. Right. right? So the, I have this whole list of positives and then I have under negative just one thing and that's the daughter and the daughter <laughs> subplot. <laughs> I I struggled with Gaynor. Yeah. First of all, she doesn't look like she, she's the daughter of either Courtney Cox or Greg Kinnear. I think it's very, very weird casting on her part. I mean, she's supposed to be this cute teenage girl that has had kind of a sordid past herself who's, you know, very promiscuous in the past. And now she's fallen for this Christian boy in this new town who happens to be, I guess, their neighbor, right? He lives across the street, too. Uh, yes. Uh, w- would you say, though, throughout her her story arc is that maybe she is actually becoming more religious or do you think she's yeah, maybe but i mean i think she's just really horny for the dude it's possible i mean because he made it very well, clear i mean nothing's happening with us we can just be friends and you can hang out with me and right i'm a religious person and then of course the mother was hyper religious forcing her to wear the um the saints necklace mm-hmm. um i'm not sure that's that's my biggest problem with the show is i'm not clear on what the hell is going on with the daughter and i'm not sure i care sure sure i i i only questioned it because i think that she joined that choir out of her own free will i think that was something that maybe she was you know actually <laughs> making some change and Growing it her, is possible, herself. and they're yeah. coming off the heels of the mother having cheated, so maybe she's like, you know what, I don't want to be like my mom. Uh, similar to ultimately how Courtney Cox didn't want to be like her mom. Right. So maybe there's something a little more dynamic going on there than I'm willing to admit. Um, but at the end, ultimately, she is pregnant with the Christian's baby. <laughs> yeah, uh, which total, she totally just ruined that kid. And that poor kid had been through a lot. A lot. The yes, mothers. And I think he, he could have been a little more dynamic in his portrayal of that. Uh, the trauma he, he had just recently been through losing his mom. But yeah, he, he, I do feel shivery. like he seemed OK. Like uh, I got a bunch of uh, offers on the house. Everything is going good for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was planning out his his new future. Um, there was one more funny shining moment I wanted to, to mention because you had mentioned, um, I believe the, the son's name is Jake, but do you remember, do you remember the scene when uh, Terry played by Greg Kinnear uh, wants to have a sit down and talk with his son and he puts him on his knee? That <laughs> <laughs> is right yeah. out of the shining as well with Danny on, <laughs> on Jack's right. knee. But except in this situation, you mentioned the boy was a little bit, you know, he's a little He's a little rotund. Yes. He's not nearly as young as Danny is. It's a very but, inappropriate thing to do, put this kid on. Honestly, the dynamic between the father and son was one of my favorite parts of the whole show. I know. The son getting caught with a porno magazine yes. at school. And then Greg and Eric goes and he's like relishes the fact he's there looking at, where'd you get this old magazine? Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, awesome. Yeah. The Farrah yeah. Fawcett edition. <laughs> and he's like unfurling it in front of like the bullies. I'm his dad. It's just, right. it was really, Oh, that was a funny, yeah, that was a really funny. Every moment between the father and the son, I felt like hit. Yeah. Really yeah. comedically funny and like endearing. Like I liked both of those characters and I liked their dynamic. Yeah. Uh, the other big uh, comedic relief in this show was their neighbor Laird, I believe. Is, his is name his is Laird. Name? Yes. 
And this guy is a hoot. So ultimately, he's the father of the son's like only friend in town. Right. Kind of happens to have similar archetype, right? Kind of like the nerdy video game, you know, more sedentary kid. But they, the father has also been kind of uh, jilted by his wife. What's the situation there? Absolutely. I believe his wife left him. Um, but they, 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 they had been planting these seeds because there's a really good p- payoff where they're, they're pushing their, their son, Jake, to meet kids his own age. And then when they go to the door, he's like, oh, my new friend is here. <laughs> Laird is there, but Laird is the, the kid's father. And I thought that was a really funny moment where um, it was just a really great way to introduce a character. Like, is this guy really like for real? Is he here to be friends with the little boy? Because that's yeah. <laughs> this actor is great, too. Uh, I think he's, he's a Chicago actor, too. Yeah, I believe um, he actually has a um, comedy duo with Danny Pudi from um, Community. Or I've, oh, really? I've seen them perform okay. as a duo. So, um, yeah, Parvish uh, China, Parvish China, I think his name is. Um, very funny. And, yeah, kind, kind of the classic sidekick you know and you know he's a scene stealer too yes uh the scene that comes into my mind which i thought was really funny is he brings over weed and it's been in his oh pants. yeah he's like did yeah. this touch your dick and he's like well <laughs> the bag did yeah. <laughs> yeah. anyways he drags greg canary up to this tree house that they've found uh and they get high together but what's yeah. funny is then greg canary's you know ex-co-worker colleague with this woman catherine is texting him and Laird kind of takes get commandeers the phone. And when she says, you want to oh, yeah. meet me in wine country, <laughs> Laird just writes back. F yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, Greg Kinnear doesn't know what to do with that at first, but uh, it, it just, it hit. Yeah. It hit. Those two together getting high up in the tree house. Was, yeah. That's one thing I wanted to mention. I love all of the settings in this. Yes. Um, when mentioning him bringing over the weed, that's when he shows him this tiki bar basement that has been found by Pat. Right. Uh, which is another shining. With all the stained glass. And I don't know if you noticed what the pattern was on the living room curtains, but that pattern is the carpet and the shining. Oh, is it? Um, the, it the, is. The, yeah. The famous uh, Overlook Hotel pattern. Yeah, so there's some more overt uh, little Easter eggs there. Uh, of course, there was another one that I wanted to mention. You got that. Oh, yes. Okay, so the, we have this scene where Pat is struggling to write her book. Um, and, and Cressida is the character who she's kind of envisioning as Rosemary, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there is one scene then where she, she's kind of blocked and her character keeps killing herself. Yes. But it, I don't know if you notice this when she's in the tub. They do have this scene then where it's like re- reverse shot because she's always on the one side. Yes. But then there's one shot where the curtain is there and she's pulling it back and it's a la room 237 yes. in The Shining. You're expecting to see the haggard old lady with, with the skin dripping off. Um, another really fun, just Shining reference. If you're a Shining fan, you're going to love the show. At first, I didn't really get the title, but as it went along, I'm like, oh, yeah, well, yeah. okay, here we go. Um, and and, so and the, just the bar in general, you know, um, Courtney Cox, I mean, that's her, you know, hotel bar. And, you know, uh, in The Shining, you have the, the bartender there. And I think at times Rosemary is kind of like that uh, embodies that character as well, you know, kind of just, you know, pushing your character along down the road, if you will. And um, th- this show, 
I will say has done a really great job with just tropes in general. I mean, the the house, you know, the cliche house that um, is a theme in the story because Pat gets really upset when she asks Terry if he knew about the house's history and he, li- right. he had lied to her. And, and then he, you know, he forgives her, but, or they, 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 um, you know, he apologizes. And, but, but the idea there though is so kind of cliche, you know, like this house yes. that's a, a murder house, which kind of also reminds me of American horror story murder house sometimes. But this, this house is this beautiful big house that no one wanted because of the story, the history. Yes, what you see in a lot of these, you just made me think of Sinister too, because ultimately you have a writer moved into a home and he didn't tell his wife that the family had been killed. And then of course you have this uh, old projector too, a la Sinister. Right. It it does borrow tropes effectively. I completely agree with you there. And I think it's paying homage to horror as a genre. Absolutely. Um, Certainly beyond The Shining, beyond Sinister, beyond Santa Clarita. Then there's some exorcist moments, certainly with the Ouija board, right? (laughs) Yeah. The Ouija board and maybe less uh, associative with like the Scrabble letters where it's essentially where where ghosts are communicating through games, you know? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, what are some of these other shining moments? I, there was a couple other ones I wanted to mention for the big fans. Certainly the first episode was uh, it starts with them driving to the new home and yeah. you have these overhead shots and you have them singing in the car. A la how the shining starts. Yes. Immediately. I kind of missed that at the top. It wasn't until I kind of retreaded and was looking for more Easter eggs. I'm like, oh, wow, this starts just like the shining, too. Um, and of course, moving to a new large home after the trauma um there's another big one here oh yeah the double vision in the final episode so she's taking so much drugs like she's going out of her mind and then her son shows up to tell her about uh the dead kid daisy and he's at the end of the hall and he's she's having double vision of him so it kind of looks like he's the twins from shining as well it's just there's a lot of little Uh, there's a lot in there you can tell they had a lot of fun making the show um Interestingly, can I get a little uh, literary on you here? Please. Her, the character the character that she names her main character in the book is Cressida. And I don't know if you're too familiar, but Cressida goes back to uh, ancient Roman myth. Ultimately, she was uh, part of the Trojan War, and she gets she's she's supposed to be betrothed to a fellow Trojan, but then she gets traded to the Greeks, and then she has an affair with this Diomende. So Cressida mm. herself is this faithless lover character kind of like this uh like pat a female who has you know been adulterous if you will so it's very appropriate and going back in cressida and uh tristan by shakespeare deals with this as well there's another kind of fun little moment too i don't know if you remember the episode where she she's blacked out and she's making casseroles and stuff she's wearing a warwick castle t-shirt so I was like, that has to have some significance. Right. And I looked into it, and apparently Warwick Castle is one of the oldest castles in England, and it's supposed to be haunted there you go. by a poet. Oh. So that kind of works as well. poet named Folk Greville. So I just feel like they really kind of, they didn't take shortcuts. They really no. kind of embedded so much into this show that I think, unless you're really paying attention to it, you might miss it. But it's it's more valuable than I think people... I don't think most people heard of it, but you might give it 
a li- you might shrug it off the first couple right. episodes, but if you're willing to stick with it, I think you'll you'll find a lot of value in yeah. what's going on here. And if you're a fan of The Shining or something else that just I was reminded of in my head, Amityville Horror, you know, the whole idea right. of moving into a murder house. It's um, it's well done, and, and, and you've got to stick with it because the second half of the series, there's more deaths. It's just mm-hmm. funnier. The payoffs are funnier. Oh my goodness. How funny yeah. is that crappy beard that Greg Kinnear grows? I mean, it's just. <laughs> He's got the scrappiest yeah, beard. The worst so beard. So he gets. Or he quits, which is yeah. one of the funniest scenes in the show, too. Yes. Where he's quitting with his boss. Uh, Rob Morrow, who's. Rank a- for 16 years. Yeah. And just gets shit faced and uh, tells off his boss. And then that becomes like a meme itself. Yeah, he goes fun. viral. <laughs> But then he goes, he gets into woodworking, which yes. is hilarious. He's just yes. making little figures of the family. But And then when the horrible neighbor wants a, a defense the to fence. be fixed, it's like he pops up out of nowhere. I'll like some like, <laughs> special agent, I got, I got you covered. I'll take care of this fence. I, I'm the man for you. I'm the man for right. this job. And then he realizes he isn't. And then, but the, I'm talking about these setup, setups and knockdowns. I mean, that fence that he builds ultimately is a demise for one of the characters without spoiling it. Like, it's just. You know what? It kind of brings me back because I love Greg Kinnear, but I, I like some of the stuff that people forget about us. Is Do you remember a movie of his called Nurse Betty? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nurse yeah. Betty had a very similar tone. I Renee Zellweger? Like, Yes, yeah, yes. It's about uh, like an amnesiac mm. girl who then gets sucked into a soap opera or something along those lines. Right. But he's a big player in it. And it was really fun and similar in tone. Uh, oh, one other character I really want to mention, too, that was fun. And I could see this popping up way more in season two is the occult store manager. Oh, the Wiccan. Who himself yeah. has a novel and he's <laughs> trying to kind of saying, I mean, I'll help you deal with this demon if you give me a, a, a quote for my book or whatever. He's, he's, he's a really fun, like, side character because he's, she's trying to figure stuff out. So she goes to this occult store to kind right. of like, get additional information, thinks she can just sage it away. Well, uh, but he it, lets her in. It's another, it's another trope that almost every story like this needs uh, for exposition. You know, there's either a book or a specialist. And he's our, oh, our specialist. And he's the guy who's like, oh, wait a minute. Sounds like it's a demon if you slept with your husband. Did you do anything? Did you welcome this demon in or, right. or make a deal with it? And she's, I mean, it's exactly what she did, but he is, he is great in that role. And I think you're right. I think there'll be more, I'm, I'm waiting for him to like, just them to have like a closer relationship and start popping over, you know, like the wacky neighbor. Yes. I'm hoping that's the case. Uh, in terms of season two, where do you see it possibly going? Because if the daughter's going to run away with, her Christian neighbor now that they're preggers together. Do we follow that storyline too? No, I, mean, I no, always I, felt like her stories was so disjointed as it is. It would kind of make sense that then we would then follow her outside of the town while the usual fair is going on. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. I'm thinking they lean in into more of these um, father or sorry, um, mother daughter uh, relationships. Um, okay. They, I think they doubled down on that. I think Judith Light needs to come back. I think if you remember, Courtney Cox runs out of her medication and her mom like has everything. Right. I think Judith Light's character is also some sort of medium who can, you mm-hmm. know, like that's the reason Courtney Cox put her away. And maybe if it's at a certain age, you start to see it. And I think we're going to have some similar issues with. Um, you know what? I, think you're right. I didn't actually put uh, put it together that when she was talking about running away with the boyfriend, 
that was prior to then her having to commit her mother. So I could see her having to kind of like stick around because her mom's now in the psychiatric home or the home for hysterical women. Uh, And yeah, like you said, kind of her reliving what Pat had to live with with her mom when she was put away. Well, if I if I remember correctly, I believe the show opens on text that says women are are more likely uh, to be possessed. Right. It was something a lot. It it first defined depression. Yes. Women with depression experience these symptoms. Women possessed by a demon uh, experience the exact same symptoms. Yeah. Depression. So what Uh, are the chances if um, if Courtney Cox isn't around Gaynor gets uh, possessed? You know, I I think I think that as simple as it was at the beginning of the series might, you know, pop up as a theme. And I think we're. I think there's also a very good chance because we did get some 1950s stuff. When we see that picture at the end, and we see Mira Servino's character in that as well, which is a little confusing to me, given yeah. that she looks like that in 1950s. We see Mira Servino back in 1859 as what looks like the head marm or whatever at this uh, home for hysterical women, which right. happens to be the same home that they just bought. I could see us going back mm-hmm. to when she was in charge of this home for hysterical women i mean there's there's a lot of fodder that could be d- dealt with all the way back in 1859 granted period stuff can definitely be more expensive so i don't know if stars is up to it but as we know hey. they spare it no expense that's what i'm telling you they they like their historical stuff um that's a great point yeah i i almost um changed my answer like i think i think that is going to be a major theme in season two and i bet it will be like a lot of jumping back and forth and or maybe even like that blending of like the almost like the two worlds just sort of like overlapping you know like ghost stories tend to replay themselves so i don't know maybe greg Kinnear will it is going to be tricky for them to kind of explain why rosemary looked like that in the 1950s and then in 1859 that's what makes me think maybe that is the look of the demon you know that uh, right thought maybe she was possessed in the 1950s maybe that i don't know maybe about that because obviously courtney cox doesn't look like that right and that would have been the trope where it's the same person every generation but yeah but maybe the i mean i'm just trying to think like maybe the husband married a demon you know not knowing that she was a demon yeah but yeah at what point we're going to have to learn like how she, she died. Do we a picture of Rosemary in the 1950s beyond um, or like without it kind of being filtered? I'm just wondering if that's how the demon maybe appears in, in pictures or video. Right, right, like right, if right. someone took a picture of Courtney Cox, maybe it would look like Mara Sorvino. I'm that's just, interesting. I I was thinking outside of the box on that one, trying to. No, I know. I was doing the same thing. I mean, and, and I think that alone is worth why people should, you know, check the show out, give it a Absolutely. chance, get 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 ready for season two. Because it's yeah. funny. Heck yeah, it is funny. Great cast. You can't go wrong with it. Highly suggest it. Just love a good horror comedy, you know. It is, yeah, and those are rare. This pulls it off. Again, if you like Santa Clarita Diet, you're going to like Shining Vale. But I think we done tapped everything we possibly could. I think so, too. I think so, too. I don't want to give everything away. I think, um, yeah, people should just check it out. 
don't um check it out and get excited for uh the next week when we will be yeah. talking prey prey and referring back to all them predators and predators and then the mean <laughs> and in the meantime time. yeah <laughs> stay alive there you go